Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by. I really hope that these episodes and this podcast as a whole is helping your leadership become a little more supernatural. Today we are diving into part two of our Leadership Expectations let's call it series. So this is part two. Hopefully you've heard part one because this is sort of a an extension of part one. It's uh, an addition to, uh, and it will really help you if you listen to part one to really understand what we're diving into today. So if you haven't listened to it, I recommend you listen to it. It'll benefit your leadership and really give you some healthy expectations as a leader, as a supernatural leader. So you aren't so surprised when embarking on new or continuing on uh, this existing leadership journey that you are on. Now, remember, we are talking about what we need to expect. In part one, I did say this, that we need to expect the unexpected. That's a great expectation for any leader out there. But we are talking about what we need to expect as leaders that are advancing in their sphere of Influence. We talked about in part one as well the uh, value of significance that we are reaching towards, not just success. We talked about how significance really is God's version of success, not the way the world defines it, but significance, leaving something of impact behind and impacting people's lives in a powerful, reforming type of a way. So, we, with all the negatives, 
and I call them negatives. We said that they, you know, often what feels negatives are just positives in disguise. We called these these points, these three expectations in part one as sort of the negative side of the expectations we need to have because it's the challenging side. It's the the challenging obstacles that come in the processes towards the things that we're reaching to. So in part one, we talked about these things. And uh, we're going to talk about these things, but we're going to talk about how the positives that come out of these things that we talked about in part one in part two today. So number one, number one uh, in part one, number one, I'm going to reference part one. So track with me here. I'm going to reference part one, but I'm going to we're going to talk about something new in part two. Okay. so number one, we talked about the overwhelming fear, the overwhelming overwhelming fear that we need to expect. That was in part one. But today we're talking about the overwhelming fear and that with that, we have faith growth. So with overwhelming fear, we have, we need to expect great faith growth. Okay. So every time we have overwhelming fear, it's just a recipe for great faith growth. This is the outcome. We're talking about the outcomes, the positive outcomes of the negative processes that we face, okay? So we're talking about faith growth connected to the overwhelming fear. Now, what I have grace for, what you have grace for now, guaranteed, was not the grace and the faith that you had, you know, 10 years ago. If you've been on this leadership journey, especially in the supernatural, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, as a family leader, somebody in government, education, whatever sphere of influence you find yourself in, media, whatever it is, guaranteed what you can believe for now in faith was not what you could believe for 10 years ago. You went through incredible fear advancing. Moments where you thought you were going to drown. Moments when you thought you were going to sink. Maybe you thought you were going to go bankrupt. And you didn't give in. You didn't give up hope. You kept on going. You strapped on your belt buckle even tighter. And you advanced. And now you're looking back. You're like, thank God I advanced. Because now, like, I have grace to get through things that were hard 10 years ago. They're easy now. It's like, I'm just, I plow through those things because what happens when you're faced with overwhelming fear and you don't give into that fear, your faith grows. I remember when I first began leading these outreach events, I would, I would take people, I would take people through a six week school on the supernatural that I developed. And then at the end of the school, we would do a three-day outreach event where we'd go activate everything we learned in the school for six weeks on the street, in the grocery store, in the restaurant, in the coffee shop, wherever we were going to go. Um, and so I remember we would lead these events and they were always big events, you know, hundreds of people would show up, you know, obviously there was a budget, but I was like, at this, at this point in, the, in time, uh, I was actually still, you know, working a, a job, but I didn't have a lot of money. And these events we would do without a budget. Like we didn't have a budget. I didn't have a nonprofit. Uh, I was technically operating in this way as self-employed, but I wasn't doing any of this as my living. Like this was not like, uh, uh, this was not bringing return so that I could keep doing it. It was like just simply on the side, you know, I was working, you know, throughout you know, during the day and then at night we would do these schools and weekends. And so, you know, I didn't have budget to do these events. And so we'd go into them 
with no money often and uh, in the beginning especially and just rely on supernatural provision. Provision. I remember like it took a lot of faith for me to believe that, you know, we would make I remember some of these events in the very beginning were like two thousand dollars. That's it. Two thousand dollars just to cover some of the expenses, the admin, some of the things that we were doing on the street. It wasn't a lot of money. I mean, that sounds like peanuts, you know, like almost like pocket change for an event. Um, But it was two thousand dollars. And at that stage of my life in faith, doing an event like that. It took a lot of faith. This is the very beginning of my journey. And I remember there were seasons of my own life when I launched out into full-time vocational ministry where for six months I had no income. Like I had just enough in my savings, just enough coming in through various things, whether it was like child benefit from the government to pay my basic expenses. Like there was six months one time when we were first married with our first child where I literally had no money at all. And uh, actually, no, at that point, our child, our first child wasn't even born, but we were almost at the point we're giving birth. It was like, I think a month before she was born, we had six months leading up to that, our firstborn. Uh, we were, we had literally no money and we were just able to cover basic expenses with the money that we did have. And so it was a challenging time, but I remember in that stage of life, like the faith that I needed then to overcome the fear of like not having enough, or are we going to make it is like not even close to the faith that I need now to believe for what I have to believe for. I remember like thinking about, like I said, those events, those outreaches, like $2,000 to pay for an event, you know, moving from that to now covering commercial leased property, tens and tens of thousands of dollars, uh, and then covering also, uh, you know, 12 to 15 employees, both full-time and part-time salaries. And then, you know, having to travel to, to, supplement more income so we could cover these massive expenses in our not-for-profit organization and all these commitments that we had with different mission endeavors and projects and, and, you know, staff and all this kind of stuff. And the faith I needed for the $2,000 was very different than the faith I needed for the tens and tens of thousands of dollars per month that I needed, I needed to come in and believe for. And so all I say this to say is that in every season, Every time I would have this overwhelming fear that would come at me, which we talked about in part one, because I didn't give in, because I knew God was leading me along the journey, my faith continued to grow. And to this day, the grace that I have for faith, the things that I can believe for now are massive in comparison to the things that I could believe for that felt massive back then let's say 18 years ago, 19 years ago, 15 years ago even. So I, I I say that to say is that with great overwhelming fear, if you give faith an opportunity comes great, great faith growth. And so this is what we're talking about. This is the positive outcome of overwhelming fear that we can expect in our leadership. Expect great faith growth. Number two, And we talked about, in number two, in part one, uh, the inconvenient disruptions. Hope you remember that, the inconvenient disruptions. But today, with those inconvenient disruptions, we're talking about the expectation that we can have of the growth in our character, integrity, and discipline. 
There's growth in our character, integrity, and discipline when we pivot when these inconvenient disruptions take place. We talked about the pandemic over 16 months. It's disrupted all of our lives in so many ways. Some people worse, some people on a positive on a positive note. But I want to highlight specifically the discipline that grows in seasons of disruptions when you have to pivot. There's a new level of drive and discipline that is required, that is needed when these inconvenient disruptions take place. And there needs to be an ex- an expectation that if we pivot in these times, that there's going to be growth in our character, growth in our integrity, growth in our drive and discipline. I mean, it's easy to believe when things are easy. It's easy to believe and have faith when things are easy. It's easy to believe when things just go our way. But when things are hard, this is when faith really kicks into high gear. And when faith kicks into high gear and grows in seasons where it's hard to believe, this is where our discipline, this is where our integrity, this is where our character really grows stronger. And if I look back at some of the hardest seasons where it was disrupted, when my whole world was flipped upside down, when my whole world was uh, rearranged, so to speak, um, or inconveniently uh, you know, destroyed, let's call it destroyed. Sometimes it feels like, uh, you know, it's not just a disru- disruption. It's like a, it's destroyed. If I look back in those previous seasons, I honestly could say that because of those seasons, my character, my integrity, and my discipline and drive has grown even stronger. And I said, I wanted to highlight the discipline factor because, you know, this is where, you know, uh, uh, getting up every morning comes into play. This is where finding routine, finding rhythm. This is where having consistency in your life. This is where, you know, when life gets really busy, do you just stop disciplining? Do you just stop eating healthy? Do you stop working out? Do you stop, you know, that intense regimen? No, you, it goes harder. You have to get, you have to be more diligent with it. You have to be more aggressive with it, more uh, driven to be disciplined in seasons when, there's disruptions, you know, um, and I don't want to call kids a disruption, having kids, but like I have four kids. So, you know, and, and like I said, this is not to say that every kid is a inconvenient disruption, but the reality of it is like when you're parenting, there are times often when you feel like you're inconveniently disrupted. You feel like, okay, you have to go do that. Like you weren't planning on this, but this happened, this crisis is happening and you have to go deal with this because you're a parent and that's what you do. That's your role as a dad, as a mom. Well, this is the kind of thing that actually helps and enables discipline. It enables drive because your life you cannot plan your life minute by minute if you want to have a successful family. You have to be open to the disruptions, be open that sometimes feel inconvenient. But because you know the benefit of pivoting, you know the benefit of keeping your commitment, you know the benefit of having a healthy family, you do it because of love. You do it because you've been given charge. You've been given this amazing blessing called family. And so you do what you do because you are called to do it. Well, those things can easily 
uh, disrupt and derail sometimes other things that you planned. And so does that mean that you just stop all those other things? No, you just have to continue to pivot, continue to innovate, continue to find new ways to discipline yourself, to develop your character so that you don't drop 10 other things because one thing changes. And I'm not saying that you there's not seasons where you you don't have to drop things. There's definitely seasons where you got to change and if you're putting too much on your plate, sometimes you got to take some stuff off your plate so you don't crash and burn. You don't burn out. But this is the thing. I believe God gives us grace in every season to manage the disruption. God gives us grace. And that grace grows our character, grows our integrity and grows our discipline. Some of the hardest of seasons I've ever faced, I've come out with the greatest uh, discipline, the greatest, uh, like almost a new sense of rhythm in my discipline, a new sense of drive, a new passion because I chose to pivot. So number two, we have great growth in our character, integrity, and discipline. Number three, we talked about in the previous um, episode in part one, how there are unexpected, there are unexpected, to expect unexpected arrangements. And so today we're talking about in part three, or number three, unexpected arrangements. And with that, we have the realizations and the revelations of who God really is. So these are the positive outcomes. Remember, we're comparing the negatives with the positives. The positives of dealing with unexpected arrangements, okay, the positives are that in that space, in that space, when God rearranges our life, or these are what I call the transitions of life, things that are arranged to develop us, it's in that space that we have these great realizations and these great revelations of who God really is. And so I quickly referenced Jonah because we have been in this series as a community, where we were in this series as a community, uh, three-part series, studying the book of Jonah. And if you haven't ever actually really dove into this uh, this this character of Jonah in the Bible, I actually would encourage you to visit, check out kingdom uh, youtube.com slash kingdom culture. Check out our channel and listen to the three-part series we did on Jonah uh, back in in June. And so in Jonah, uh, in, we referenced Jonah in part one and how God arranged a great sea creature to swallow Jonah for three days, three nights. And it was in that space where Jonah had a great realization and almost a restored revelation of who God really is. And when Jonah was spat out by the whale, he began his mission again. He was restored back to his mission. Sometimes we are in these bellies of what I would call breakthrough, these bellies of isolation, these, this, that's called the pandemic, a belly. We're like inside, we feel trapped. It's dark. It feels hard, but it's in this space when there's these unexpected arrangements that hit our life, these transitions that hit our life. It's in that space that I believe the positive outcomes look like realizations and new revelations of who God is or restored revelations of who God is. And it was in that place where Jonah actually basically repented for his disobedience to God as he ran away in the opposite direction from his original mission. It was in that space in the belly of the what could have been a great fish, a whale, or sea creature that he was restored. He had a revelation and a realization. So now notice that I haven't really talked about outcomes or uh, expectations in, as it relates to outcomes 
in the traditional leadership sense, like i.e. hitting our goals, scaling the business from 10 million to 20 million, getting that house, buying that new facility, you know, because the best growth, the best expectations to have, the best growth is always and will always be growth from within when it comes to supernatural leadership, growth from within. And you know, this is this is this is what we're talking about. We we need to have better expectations. Expectations of some of the things that feel negative that they're going to happen because we can go into an endeavor, go into an entrepreneurial endeavor, a business, you know, deal or launch a new thing or whatever, start a family, start a new relationship, um, start a new job, new career. We can go into this with this unhealthy expectation that things are going to go like just in an unhealthy way. But when we get an, a healthy perspective that we can expect these ar unexpected arrangements, we can expect the unexpected, we can expect disruption, we can expect fear at times. When we go into situations, not that it's we're like ready looking for the negative, it's just that when it happens, we can pivot. We can we can actually move forward because we know this is just part of the process. This is part of the process of giving me a realization and a revelation of who God is. This is part of the process of developing my character, growing my faith, you know, advancing and, and developing and strengthening my drive and discipline. It's all part of it. I remember just as we we're talking about number three here, this unex unexpected arrangement. I remember that there was a time when I went to this, um, this I actually I was a part of really I was part of the wedding party of this tradition like really traditional uber traditional uh, Roman Catholic wedding and I was um, you know some of the people from my previous life before I knew Jesus in my BC days okay before Christ were there. And um, a lot of interesting individuals were there, people that we, you know, I used to party with that I knew very well. And they had all heard that I had become, this is in their perspective, religious. So they had all knew that I was this like pastor. I was this itinerant speaker, this leader, this traveler, this person that, you know, taught on the supernatural. They had kind of heard the stories. I had already talked to many of them about my journey, my, my testimony, things that had happened to me, what I was doing. So they kind of knew. And the reason why I say all that is because at the rehearsal dinner or at the rehearsal part of the wedding, the day before, we were going through sort of like the ceremony and somebody had said out loud to the priest that was conducting, um, officiating the the wedding the next day, someone had said that, oh, Sean, uh, he's a he's a, uh, a Christian pastor. That's what they said. And so because I, you know, I wasn't Catholic, the priest actually said, okay, in front of everybody in the wedding, both wedding parties said, um, uh, okay, okay, so Sean, you know, you, you, can't, you can't take communion tomorrow when we do communion. You can't take communion. Um, I'll just give you a blessing. And I was actually really offended. I, you know, I, I teach on communion. We, at this point in our, our journey as a community, uh, every Sunday we were, we, we had communion available every Sunday. We were teaching, we're talking about communion. We took communion. It wasn't just like a once a month thing. Like a lot of Protestant churches do. Um, I actually teach more, on sort of sort of how the the Catholics actually see communion than the typical Protestant, and so I was super offended. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, 
all these people know what I'm about and I'm going to be the only guy. I mean, there were full on like uh, there were just there was just some interesting fellows that in this wedding party, both parts like, uh, you know, bridesmaids and groomsmen that didn't even believe in God that we're going to be allowed to take communion. But because now it was made a, as a statement that I was a Christian minister, Christian pastor, I couldn't take communion. And so I had a little bit of a run in with the priest uh, privately and a little bit publicly. Like, cause I, like I said, I did not agree. I was telling him, listen, I teach basically almost like very similar to what you teach. We do this every week. And he's like, sorry, no, you can't take communion. Anyways, it was a little bit of a conflicting situation. The next day, and so I say all this to say, because I felt like this was an arrangement from God. This was an arrangement to give me even a deeper realization and revelation of who God is, who God was. And um, this is many years ago now. And so the next day, and I told my wife the whole situation, I said, it's going to be awkward at the wedding. You know, all these people are going to go up for communion. I'm going to be the only guy that can't take communion. Like everyone's going to know. They're going to wonder what's going on. Like, you know, am I anti-Catholic church? And so they're all going to have this, you know, perspective that I don't want them to have. And so like, I want to be a part of this, you know? And so I was praying, I was mad. I was upset. My wife was upset. Um, my wife began to pray. I remember she was sitting in the back during the ceremony, praying God would do something. And it was so supernatural. You guys, it was so incredible. I remember the, when it was time for communion and I was still praying, the priest starts to prepare the communion elements. He's doing all this thing like he normally would to take communion. Now, this is a really uber, like I said, traditional Roman Catholic wedding. I mean, like traditional. They, you don't ever not take communion, okay? Especially at a wedding. Especially, not a, like let alone like just being a, a type of a mass service. And so the priest started getting everything ready. And he comes down to basically uh, serve communion. And it was like this cloud of confusion. Like It's like I, I could see it came over the priest. And he goes, comes down the stairs and does like a complete U-turn and walks back up and continue. Like it was almost like he, he was fumbling his words, got super confused and continued on the ceremony. It's like he didn't, he didn't, he forgot to, he forgot about actually distributing communion and doing the communion, like facilitating it. Somebody actually in the audience out loud interrupted the wedding and said, Father, what about communion? And his response was, um, uh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Well, how about we do this? Um, at the very, very end, when the wedding's over, if you want communion, you can stay. In my mind, I was absolutely mind blown. It was like just for me, this is what I felt. Maybe you may not agree, but I felt just for me, it was like God made a way. And in this moment, it was like this realization, this revelation of how caring and loving God was that like God saw, he saw the moment. And to this day, it's funny because I actually was talking to the, um, the bride and groom recently about this. They, they never actually took communion, which is like unheard of, especially in like a traditional Roman Catholic wedding. They never even took communion, not even at the end. Everybody left. And while I was sitting there after this whole ordeal happened and he walked back up and he looked like it would just looked like a cloud of confusion came on this priest. I felt God say to me like out loud. I felt God say to me so clear. I see you, son. Like I see you. And I felt like in that moment, it was just a realization and a revelation moment 
of just how good my 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 God is now. Some of you out there maybe think, well, that's selfish, you know. Like, what about everybody else that wanted to take communion? I don't know. I can't explain the anomaly that this was, but it was a realization and revelation moment. It was like an arrangement by God to deepen my insight into who God was. I. I was so thankful. The rest of the wedding party maybe were like ticked off. They didn't have communion. It was like an offense to the family at like a high level. But God spoke to me. I see you, son. And that was just a wow, a wow moment. So with unexpected arrangements, we can expect that we're going to have realizations and revelations of who God really is. So just a little, do a little bit of a recap of this part two. I hope this encouraged you. Number one. Uh, we have faith growth when we have overwhelming fear. We have great faith growth. Number two, we have growth in our character, integrity, and discipline. Growth in our character, integrity, and discipline when there are inconvenient disruptions. And number three, we have realizations and revelations of who God really is when um, uh, when there are unexpected arrangements that take place to develop us. So today's activation, as I mentioned in part one, this activation would be connected. So in part one, I had you write down a few things. Um, in part one, I had you write down the the fears uh, that you had felt, the overwhelming fears that you had felt. And in connection with that, I want you to add a few things to what we did in part one for part two. Okay. So for part two, like I said, in part one of part one, sorry, this is a little bit confusing. Uh, if you go back to your notes, if you already have, you know, things written down, I want you to ask the question to yourself. Do you feel your faith is getting stronger? And, or do you feel like more confidence has come into your life as a result of moving through the fears that you have written down previously. Think about it for a second. Some of the fear that you've been facing, maybe you're still facing it. I don't know. Or maybe you've chosen to continue to move forward. Do you feel, can you see your faith getting stronger? I want you to write, write down your own commentary. Maybe you feel your faith is getting weaker and that's a revealer for you. That's a healthy revealer to you where you're at. And I want to encourage you to keep going, to keep moving. Number two, you wrote down some of the disruptions that have come along in your leadership journey in the last several years. I want to ask you the question, where do you see your character, integrity, and discipline growing the most as a result of those inconvenient disruptions? Write those things down. Maybe your character has been growing in your ability to keep commitments. Maybe your character is growing in your ability to be more patient. I don't know what areas of your character, I don't know what areas of your integrity or discipline and drive is growing the most as a result of these dis disruptions, but I want to encourage you to engage your soul and your spirit and write down these areas. Number three, I asked you to write down the unexpected arrangements that have taken place, meaning the challenges that you feel have been arranged for your benefit. That was in part one. In connection to that, I want you to write down uh, any uh, re recent realizations and revelations that you've had about who God is in your life as a result of some of these unexpected arrangements. These activations are more about getting you to engage, go a little deeper in your relationship with God as you continue to advance in your supernatural leadership journey. So I hope this encouraged you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. This is part two of Leadership Expectations. Sean Gaby here, your host. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. And uh, we'd love to hear from you how these podcasts are changing your leadership, helping them become a little more supernatural. That's it for today. We will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.